Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Herd, the McShin Foundation's award-winning recovery podcast brought to you out here in uh, what is what is storming and raining Richmond, Virginia. My name is Nathan Mitchell. I'm Outreach Director here. And welcoming to the show today, we have um, two, two people from the Phoenix joining us here. Uh, first, Chris uh, Spolina, who is New Jersey and Pennsylvania Program Manager of the Phoenix. And... Second, we have Gavin Young, who is Gavin. What is what is the title? Uh, it's senior senior partnership and engagement manager. I know it took me a while to get that down. <laughs> you know, they they say the the more words in the title, the more stuff you have to do. I think. Um, <laughs> I was hoping it was less. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, both of you, Chris. Great to have you back again. This is your third turn at Get in the Herd. Uh, Gavin, this is your first turn. Gavin, I, I Facebook stalked you um, before the show, and I have to say, I missed the long hair, and and I missed the long hair. I saw you with that glorious mane. So, welcome. Um, I'm sure it's a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss having the mullet too. It was fun for a lot of years, and then one day I, I gave myself the last haircut, and then I, I was looking at growing it back, and I was like, ah, oh, it's too much effort. Which is kind of funny to like say it's too much effort for actually doing nothing, but you know whatever. <laughs> Literally existing, right? Yeah. Um, great shirt, by the way. I like I like your red version of the Phoenix shirt. Chris, welcome back to the show. Um, you you reached out to me, and you brought up the fact that it's been about a year since we first met. And you wanted to come back on the show and talk about some things that are going on. So, man, I have been watching you guys from afar for a year. Um, I participated when I was in Houston last year. I was able to, uh, I think it was in Plano, Texas. I met with one of y'all's uh, groups there and, and did a hike, beautiful hike. It was, it was a really nice day. My sister and I both did. And then I've done some of the online stuff. So you guys have a lot going on. So tell me, what brings you back to the show today? What, what are we talking about today? We do, Nathan. So if, if I'm being honest, what happened was I, I was scrolling through Facebook and I realized that uh, Mobilized Recovery is happening again this year. And that's how we met. If you remember, you were doing the Addiction Across America ride. And I was like, uh, Gavin, just for some background, Nathan was going across the country and trying to show what recovery looks like across the country. And then he was going to share it at Mobilized Recovery in Las Vegas. So I reached out to, to Nathan and much to my happiness to find out he is originally from New Jersey. So we kind of hit it off when we were chatting and we kind of uh, missed each other <laughs> due to some car trouble and whatever else. But um, he was able to meet up with some of our, some of our crew in Texas and uh, officially became a Phoenix member and then kind of came onto our live streaming platform when I was doing some meditations and I really integrated. So when I saw Mobilize Recovery, I was like, Oh yeah, Nathan, let me reach back out to Nathan. And then I saw that you were still doing the getting the herd thing. And I, we really just wanted to connect with you again and kind of share what's happened in the past year since we first connected. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, and I apologize if there's some noise in the background. I think we're having some uh, emergency flash flood warnings or something here. Richmond's getting getting uh, completely rained on here. So my, our bad on that point. But um, Gavin, welcome to your first uh, turn at Get in the Herd. 
Good to see you, buddy. Where are you and what are you doing um, with the Phoenix? So uh, we're actually also getting the same rain you are. I'm up in uh, just outside of Philadelphia, Lafayette Hill, Pennsylvania, uh, if you know Southeastern PA at all. And um, my history with the Phoenix, I've actually been uh, with the organization for about four years. I started just as a volunteer coach. Uh, I heard about this new program that was coming to Philly. Uh, they were offering free CrossFit classes for anybody that was 48 hours sober. Um, I was coaching at a local gym at the time. Uh, I'd been about maybe like eight years sober. And I, uh, I saw how getting involved and, and getting into exercise and um, getting involved with the local community was really useful for me in my recovery. But I always kind of wondered, could what I what I was doing be useful to others within the recovery space. And then once I heard Phoenix was launching a chapter in Philly and they were looking for coaches, I raised my hand and asked if I could help volunteer. And that's how things started. Um, I, I helped run a CrossFit class Saturday afternoons in South Philly. And then uh, over the years, uh, some folks at Phoenix talked to me about what it would look like to come and work for the organization professionally. And then last summer they came to me with an idea of uh, a role for managing some of our national partnerships and uh, i jumped at the opportunity and here i am nine months later ten months later i think excellent welcome well how's it going in the role it's going great so far uh i think it's uh it it was a little bit of an adjustment going from a for-profit world to a non-profit world but um you know i think not not to make it all about me but if anybody's ever considering possibly making a career change or possibly going for something that they're a little bit more passionate about um, and are a little hesitant or a little scared uh, to do it, to take the plunge. Um, I made the change at the age of 38. And uh, I, I tell a lot of folks that, um, you know, the like Sunday night doom and gloom when you got to think about waking up Monday morning and you got to go to work and you just dread it. And it just kind of like, colors your entire Sunday afternoon. So you can't really enjoy it. Um, I haven't had that since I took this job. So uh, that kind of gives you an idea of trying to find something that you really care about in terms of uh, how you spend your day to day. Gavin, Gavin, I can kind of relate to that too. Nathan, this is something you might not know about me. Before I got sober, I was a union carpenter in New York City, a sheet rocker <laughs> in high rises. I worked in the World Trade Center. I worked at the American Embassy, a bunch of schools. And like, I was a really good sheet rocker. But like I woke up every morning at 4.30 dreading that I had to drive or take the train in New York City. And once I, like when I got sober, I had this kind of realization like, well, that's something that does not make me happy anymore. Uh, let me let me see what else is out there. And when I found Phoenix, I, I also started as a member and a volunteer and I became a meditation instructor and a certified peer recovery specialist. And the reward that I gained from from helping others and watching others heal and grow, like I was, uh, was worth so much more to me than the financial benefits of, of having to go to Manhattan every day. Uh, and the trade off from the trade off from doing something that I was completely bored of to something that I loved was immeasurable. Like I wake up with gratitude every morning that I get to work with people like Gavin. I get to to share what I have learned to be healing for me in my own recovery with others. Um, and, and like Gavin said, I mean, it, it is a big leap of faith, but for me, it was the best decision I ever made. Second best decision. First best decision I ever made was to stop doing drugs. Um, but after that, it was to switch careers. 
That's that's awesome. That's awesome, Chris. And I, I relate to both of what you're saying because, you know, before I got into before well, before I, you know, found recovery myself, you know, I was working, you know, in the for-profit world and I I, I did really interesting fun things that just didn't really fulfill me. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I found my recovery through a program in jail and then came to Richmond, Virginia. And, and certainly, you know, here I am, <laughs> you know, and really, really not getting that, you know, not dreading my Monday mornings, um, not dreading what's going to happen next. And I, I love that too. I love that, you know, your stories both talk about being volunteers and I know that volunteer, you know, being, you know, we talk about the therapeutic, you know, in, in a 12-step fellowship that I sometimes go to, we talk about the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel. And for me, you know, part of part of that is the volunteering, right? So I know volunteering is important to y'all and has been. Um, tell me about what the Phoenix does and, and, and how others can, might, you know, get involved uh, moving forward. Chris, do you want me or you want me to take that? Go for it, Gavin. All right, so um, I don't know how much Chris has covered on the, the previous episodes that he's been here, but just to give you kind of like a little bit of history, uh, we were founded in 2006 out of the uh, Colorado region. And essentially when we first started, uh, we were a brick and mortar gym for people with 48 hours of sobriety and our programs were rock climbing, boxing, strength training, uh, bike rides, things like that. But a lot of our programming was dictated off of having a physical space that we could run and having people in that space that could run programs. And, you know, over time we grew and we started to realize that, um, you know, we're growing kind of slowly, like either acquiring space or acquiring staff, but um, the epidemic of, of uh, alcohol and drug use, it's, we're not going to be able to keep pace in terms of like the number of people that we can serve. We have to become a little bit more lean and a little bit more seamless in terms of how we expand programs. So we started what we call this volunteer activation model. And essentially what that is, is we have a, a portal that lives on our website that anybody who is interested in uh, getting involved can go to. And then depending on what their background is, what their skill set, um, you know, what they're coming to us with, we basically tailor our program schedule based off of what they're interested in doing. And, uh, what they bring to help serve the community. So uh, a lot of the programs that we started with were all kind of like fitness-based stuff, you know, like your yoga, uh, meditation, CrossFit are things that we bolted on over the years. And now we're at the point where we're trying to expand to some non-movement-based stuff. Like I think we launched a chess club last week in Denver. Awesome. We couple, yeah. So if you're into chess, which I'm very much into chess, uh, that's awesome. We have a music program that started this year. We're doing a lot of uh, live stream concerts, sober artists playing for sober individuals uh, with eyes to eventually go more in person now that COVID's starting to lift. And uh, we do book clubs, we do socials, um, you know, but a lot of that is driven off of, you know, people want to ask how they can get involved. You know, whatever you're doing with your free time that you're interested in, if you think it's beneficial to others in recovery, we're the way that you can share that. And you know, you indicate that through the volunteer portal, we'll set up a program that allows people to connect with you to do so. And we actually have a smartphone app, which is launching, I want to say within a month, and that'll make it way more seamless for folks to connect with each other as well, too. That's and I awesome. think what Gavin's talking about, too, what that is also allowing us to do is kind of 
have Phoenix programming in areas that we have not had Phoenix programming yet. Like for, for a good example, through the volunteer platform, now we have some volunteers in Pittsburgh. And Nathan, I think you'll be interested to know that we have something up and running, some volunteers up and running in Washington, D.C. and Northern Virginia now doing a walk and a run club. So if you check our website out, you can you can get connected to some Phoenix people not far from where you're where you're located, and uh, we have plans with that. You know, our goal is to reach a million members by 2025. Wow, how close are you to that? I think at to date right now, Gavin, correct me if I'm wrong. We're somewhere around the sixty thousand mark. Okay, I think that sounds right. Yeah, um, yeah. but. I, I, uh, there's a comment um, from Mike Todd in South Carolina, and he says, we have Phoenix coming to Greenville, South Carolina. And I know that we had talked about that, Chris. So talk about that. What's coming to, what's going to Greenville? What's, uh... Yeah, so I know that we just hired our first program coordinator. Her name is Katie, right, hey, Kevin? Katie. Katie is our program coordinator in Greenville, and uh, we're just getting it off the ground now, but they're in the process of uh, activating volunteers and activating programs there. So if you Stay up to date on our social media and our website. You'll see some really cool stuff coming out of there real soon. So I, I'm interested. I, you, you've kind of talked a little about this and what what got you both into this, but um, you know, I want to get involved and 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 do a do an event or something and and maybe attend a, a hike or or something a little lower stress on this 45 year old body over here. Um, I don't have a lot of money. So how do I get involved and, 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 you know, I've only got, well, I mean, I've got a few days clean, but, you know, or sober or, you know, I guess a few days of recovery. What, what are the requirements to, you know, to participate? Great question, Nathan. And I think that's one of the things that's so inviting about Phoenix and what was inviting to me coming there. Um, when I first came to the Phoenix, I had just uh, got sober, just gotten out of jail, went to treatment and then getting out of treatment. I got invited. Somebody came into the treatment center I was at. Uh, her name's Amy, to to teach a yoga class and say and t- talk about the Phoenix. And so when she said, "Hey, we have this awesome free sober active community. You can do free CrossFit, free yoga, free meditation, um, and all you have to do is have 48 hours of sobriety." I was on it. You know, number one, I did. I was 35 years old. I had no idea how to socialize anymore. No idea how to make friends that were sober outside of 12-step um, fellowship, um, and the idea of going to do something that I wanted to do for free. Uh, I didn't have money to join a CrossFit box or a yoga studio. So when I went there, uh, it was more than I expected. I found the community of people that I felt connected to. I felt that there was no judgment. I felt like I fit in. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, everything that we do is more about the community connection piece than it is about the activity. That's why Gavin was talking about all these things. Anything that we can think of or our volunteers can think of that's fun, safe, and healthy to do with sober people will create. So that was the main thing for me. And, and so 48 hours of continuous sobriety is the only requirement to attend any of our events. So whether that means you are a person that is in a recovery from a substance use disorder like myself or some sort of a mental health challenge or eating disorder or a supporter of someone who is, or you just want to come have some sober fun and live a sober lifestyle, all of our programs are open, accessible, and free to you. That's awesome. Yeah, my, so uh, I, Gavin, you won't know this, but Chris, I think you'll know this. But uh, when we did the the walk, the little hike that we did in Plano, Texas, I was actually there with my sister, um, and the two of us. 
it was the first time I had seen her in actually three years. We literally met right there. So we're right before that and then went and did that. And that was wonderfully welcoming, you know, uh, not only from the, the community um, there uh, welcoming me, but also my sister as well and being able to just, you know, chat with them and and with us and and do this this beautiful hike at the sunset i got some great pictures i was just actually looking at pictures earlier from that day um that was a really really cool day um what what else have you got planned going on and 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 also with all the changes that occurred during covid and all the available resources that are online do you see continuing those resources online and making those things available because i i actually love that it's still there I, I i i would like to do more of those so i can talk a little bit just about locally in, in uh, new jersey and pennsylvania and then i would love for gavin to share a little bit about the national strategy but what we've seen in new jersey is um the one when, when we didn't have programming for in-person programming for almost six months due to covid that's when we first launched our live streaming program how we first met when the pandemic first happened i think the date was march 14th we got together as a team and we put that full platform up within 72 hours. We had our first class going. And, and what we saw with that was within those six months, it was so well received and people were coming from all over the place, places that we never imagined that we would have programming at. I think we, we had 22 states where we had physical chapters at before the pandemic. And then we have members in all 50 states and six countries outside of America. Wow. So it was really well received and really fun for myself, you know, just to be selfish for a second, watching that magical magic happen that I said happened when I walked into our studio in New Jersey, the community connection, watching that recovery community grow. I got to witness that happen firsthand on my computer screen from my living room uh, throughout the whole pandemic. So we did slowly integrate into doing outdoor programming last year. And then around October, we were able to get back indoors with masks on and social distancing. Um, but what we see, what we saw was that people were coming to the in-person programming and continuing to stay on the live streaming program. So we did make the decision that that is going to be here forever. We're never going to, we're never going to stop doing live streaming program. It allows us to expand our reach, uh, allows us to stay connected when we might not have programs to go to in person, or we might have not have local programs in your location. Uh, we also launched our on-demand programming, which means we have professionally recorded um, meditation, yoga, fitness classes that can be accessed at any time, anywhere there, where there's the technology. And Gavin, maybe you want to even share what we've done with that on-demand programming? Yeah, I think uh, first off, to, to Chris's point, um, the idea of us going virtual was something that we always had on our roadmap. Because if we look at a map of the United States, I want to say today, and, and Chris will jump in here if I butcher any of these statistics, but... We run programs in about 20 states in the country. And within those 20 states, we're in about 55 different cities, 55 different communities. Um, and in-person programs have always been kind of our bread and butter. But we started broaching this idea of, um, you know, how, how could we access people that can't get to our in-person programs? And that's where the idea of building out a virtual capability really came from. Um, and, you know, uh, things are starting to get back to normal in this country, uh, things are starting to open back up. Our in-person programs are starting to ramp back up as well too. But at no point have we ever considered sunsetting this virtual offering. This is something that's here to stay for us. Um, 
you know, <laughs> we were always a national organization. We kind of accidentally became an international organization. Chris <laughs> talked about people accessing us from other countries and um, we loved that. And, and uh, the programs that we put out there, you know, some of our bodybuilding classes or like some of our like functional fitness classes, things like that, uh, you know, sometimes that sort of modality can be intimidating for folks. And a lot of our virtual workouts are things that you can do at home. Um, just simple body weight stuff that you can run in your living room or being able to do a yoga class in your living room, things like that. We're big on removing barriers and that's something that we found people generally love. So we're going to continue to do it. Uh, and Chris talked about the on-demand videos. We have a library of on-demand content that we also make available uh, in prisons and jails across the country as well too. So people are accessing our programs within those facilities and, um, really trying to find access points wherever we can get our message and, and what we do out to individuals wherever they are yeah access points i love that i love that term um and i only just learned right before the show that that you also put your material into the jails and prisons throughout the country uh we do the same with this podcast and and all the the rest of the video media that we create here um we we also put that in as well um, Debbie Rosenbaum, um, who is a McShin board member, she asks, uh, Gavin and Chris, can your services be used in a group setting? Meaning she's wondering about the participants at McShin. If we were able to set up a, a big screen TV and do that, would that be something that we could do? Absolutely. So we've done that. We do that often. Uh, we have several sober living houses or transitional living houses that join us in their community room or from their community room. Several treatment centers do the same. Anywhere that there's a technology, um, if there's a TV that you can plug your computer into to, to live stream, you can absolutely do it as a group at your sober living home or transitional living or, or wherever you like. And that would just be a matter of logging on to whatever is already available on, you know, either using one of the, 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 pre-recorded or logging into something you know as it comes and we can just set that up and essentially instead of one person doing it it'd be eight people doing it absolutely and, and if you have any questions about the logistics of that um, feel free to reach out to me or, or send us an email at info at the phoenix.org we can help you get that set up yeah i i think to debbie's question it's not only something that we could do but we are absolutely keen to help treatment centers uh any type of facility stand up our virtual programs uh, within their walls. Um, it's something that we feel uh, is very easy, very accessible. And, um, you know, we'd love to have a conversation. I know our contact info is going to be made available through this podcast. So if anybody's listening to us and thinks, wow, this would really be great for my facility or, or uh, my inpatient clients, we want to have that conversation. So by all means, reach out. Yeah. And, and uh, actually, anybody who's watching, it's uh, scrolling across right now um the phoenix.org or you can find them on facebook at facebook.com slash the phoenix or on instagram at rise recover and live i love rise recover live i love that by the way um which is scrolling right now across the bottom of facebook uh, this screen um those of you who are listening um www.thephoenix.org and that's www.thephoenix.org i always have to look at that and i'm always going to flip the o and the e so um so 
we were just having, you know, our staff meeting here is at two o'clock on Mondays, right? And we literally had the conversation at the staff meeting that our programming has become because of COVID. You know, we haven't had we the 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 uh, volunteers and the people who would come in and do yoga. Uh, we had um, acupuncture for a little while. Uh, we we even had equine therapy for a little bit too. Um, we have a house that has a, a small stable, and now they have chickens instead of horses. Easier to maintain. Um, <laughs> but so th we're, we've lost a little bit of that, you know, for our participants. And so I I'm glad we're having this conversation because it really dovetails nicely with the staff meeting yesterday and how we can better serve our participants here and how you guys are reaching out to RCOs and, and other, you know, community organizations, community centers across the, across the country and across the world. Um, what do you guys see for, for growth? Now we, we're looking at a million by two, 2025, huh? That is, that's the goal. That's so that goal. means that we have had a, mem a million members come to a Phoenix event, li either live stream on demand or in person. Um, okay. So we are expanding rapidly. Gavin, I think Gavin can talk about some of the larger cities that we're, we're launching into. Yeah, we want to bring this to Richmond. I, I, I keep trying to get my, my guys here. We have this whole, you know, uh, Justin, our producer right now, you, you can't see him, but he's here. Justin and his whole sponsorship family, they're, they're all a bunch of meatheads, right? You, you know the term, Chris, don't you? Um, you probably know it too, Gavin, but that's a, you know. Um, so we, 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 I think, I hope that some of them are watching right now. Are you, Justin, anybody watching? Are you, uh, are you mic'd up? I thought you might be mic'd up. I, I I am mic'd up. I don't think anybody's watching, um, and I kind of did that on purpose. <laughs> um, and if you knew my group of friends, you would know exactly why. Um, we are we are quote meatheads though. Uh, we it's it's a big part of our recovery actually. Um, it's kind of something that we've used to replace uh, you know destructive uh, tendencies that we all have. Um, it's something that we've all connected over and, uh, it's, it's actually something we take very seriously. Um, and I, I'm really proud of all of my, all my friends because we're actually in really, really good shape right now. Um, so it's, it's been extremely helpful. So I think that, I think while, while we're on that subject, Nathan, you asked about McShin foundation, you asked about how to get our live streaming programs into the McShin foundation. If you have a, a, a few people that are interested in fitness or, or walking or running that are interested in bringing Phoenix to Richmond, they can contact us. We can get them on board as volunteers and we can launch volunteer led programming at the Mixion Foundation. Phoenix mm -hmm. volunteer led programming at the Mixion Foundation and some sort of a collaboration. But if you have a group of guys that are, are meatheads or into fitness for their recovery and something that they want to share with the newcomer or the person who just got out of treatment or was previously incarcerated that that might be able to benefit from community and functional movement. Um, it's an uh, awesome opportunity to, to get on board and kind of share, share our audiences and share our networks and, and bring people in. I think it's probably worthwhile to say, you know, if <laughs> there's a good chance that a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that um, don't know about our organization, if they go to our website and we have a way you can find our programs available on our website every single day, you pop in your zip code and then it'll spit out like a list of the in-person programs available where you can go check out our virtual. There's a good chance that we probably run in-person programs very close by. And if we don't run in-person programs within your city or within your community, if you're someone that wants to help bring Phoenix to your area, um, 
we could activate you as a volunteer or if you're connected to uh, gym owners, yoga studio owners, uh, music studio owners, anybody that wants to donate space to us, our programs exist and are free to anybody with 48 hours of sobriety because of individuals that we partner with that make their space available to us free of charge. So um, I, living in Philly, my, my in-laws live down in Florida. I've made the drive down and I've stayed in Richmond before. It's a lovely town. And um, I know that there's a, a lot of uh, fitness spaces, yoga spaces down there that if um, we could have a conversation with them about uh, you know possibly hosting our programs, we would be all about it. Nice. Um, you know, something you might not know, Gavin, uh, I think, I think Richmond is the only city in the United States that actually has rapids on the river going through the city. Um, and you can get, you can do a whitewater rafting right through the heart of the city, which I've done and it's a blast. So, um, I think we might've lost Chris. So let's, uh, he, we'll see if he can, if he comes back. So it's just you and me, Gavin, for a minute here. Oh, um, that's fine. Um, but like, <laughs> to, to your point is, uh, you know, <laughs> If someone was living in Richmond and said, like, hey, I know how to do whitewater rafting and wanted to run Phoenix programs for whitewater rafting for individuals within recovery, we could talk about activating that as well, too. And that's something where you don't need the donated space. Maybe at least somebody with a donated boat. That would help. But, you know. Yeah, we're Welcome back, Chris. Um, I know that we were talking about expanding, you know, the, the expanded resources available in Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia and DC. We're not too far from there. And, you know, certainly it's an easy weekend, you know, up and back. And I know that between DC and, and Richmond, there are lots of great places to, to hike. You know, we've got the, the mountains close by. Um, we've got, you know, the ocean's not too far from here either. You know, so we, we can do a lot of great outdoor activities. Of course, you know, in DC, there's trails and things and whatnot. Um, here at the McShin Foundation, I Debbie mentions this, and it's funny I'd forgotten about this because clearly I'm not doing it. But uh, we started a run club last I don't know if it was last year or the year before, and you know it's it's started by um, a couple of staff members, and you know it it's a Wednesday afternoon thing. It, it sometimes there's a lot of people, and by a lot you know four or five people. Sometimes it's just one or two, but that's, you know, that incorporating that uh, physical activity into the recovery space, you know, um, having that available for our participants. You know, we also have a, um, I'm not sure what the collaboration is, but we have a gym membership available to all of our participants. Uh, I think they have to be here two weeks and then they get a free membership for life as long as they fill out a survey every year. Well, uh, two, it's, it's, it's for one year, not life. Well, no, but after, after a year, you can fill out the survey and you get another year of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I apologize. No, that's okay. No, no, but that's because it does. Yeah, the card does have a year on it. But yeah. All you got to do is come and fill out a survey and you can get that card renewed. Oh, I'm filling out the survey. <laughs> see, see, this is good that we're having this conversation. But there's like there's room for collaboration there because that's just McShin, you know. So we could incorporate, you know, the thousands. There's, there's, I think like 1,200 recovery beds in the Richmond area right here, you know, and to be able to offer these services, you know, which are so important. Um, what got you into this stuff? You know, what what was your, if if you don't mind sharing your recovery journey? You know, what what. Uh, I'm, and I'm making some assumptions on you, Gavin. I don't know where you've been. I know a little bit about Chris's story, but you know, share if you don't mind. Where were you? What you know? What happened? And where are you now? Certainly. So, um, I <laughs> to to work for a nonprofit that utilizes a lot of fitness programs in order to serve people in recovery. 
I'm definitely a square peg in a round hole because I had zero to do with athletics when I was coming up. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I started drinking um, probably when I was around like 13 or 14 off and on, and then like started doing other stuff in high school. And my drinking kind of really took off um, right around the time I was 18, right when I went to college. And I think I was, uh, someone who kind of rationalized a lot of the things that they did because I was like too young to have a drinking problem. I was at college. So like, you know, you can kind of like say, all right, well, this is just what college kids do. But, um, you know, I got arrested a lot. I got picked up by the cops a lot. And then I have a driver's license suspended like three times and, um, you know, stuff that, uh, I thought was pretty normal for a 19, 20 year old kid. But, um, looking back, it's not exactly like, it's not, not the most normal situation and um the school i was going to at the time remanded me to go to drug and alcohol counseling or they were going to ask me to leave and uh i went i told them like how often i drank um what i drank like you know how much i drank when i drank and i didn't really think anything of it but they broached the subject of like me possibly having an issue with alcohol and i remember thinking i'm too young for this and um you know, I, I walked out of there and uh, I wouldn't find recovery until uh, five years later. Uh, I was um, out of school a couple of years. I was I was pretty much unemployable. Um, I had a tough time, not necessarily with my drinking, because my drinking was when I felt normal. But it was the bouts in between my drinking that became problematic. Um, my hands shook all the time. My legs shook all the time. I had trouble keeping down food. I didn't have any appetite because I felt sick all the time. So um, I was probably about maybe 30 pounds lighter than I am now. So I couldn't look like a skeleton walking around. Um, and I couldn't, I had a lot of those uh, uh, paranoid episodes where I had issues looking at people in the eye. And uh, I, I, I thought people either thought the worst of me or um, people, uh, you know, <laughs> knew that I was thinking about myself too much. And uh, the only thing that ever really quieted things down is drinking. And I was always kind of chasing this like equilibrium where I wasn't hearing that anymore. And I felt kind of all right. And I felt safe. And like, I was always trying to like figure out what that middle ground was. Um, but like in between binges, it was, it was pretty bad. And uh, I, uh, I guess it was around like the age of 25. I, um, I tried quitting for Lent and I tried to see if I could go 40 days without drinking. And I made it two days and uh, I walked past a bar in my neighborhood and I, I went into the bar to go get a cheeseburger for dinner. And I came out of a blackout two days later and um, I was so distraught that it was the first time in my life I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to do something. Uh, and I still did it anyway against my own will. And um, I woke up that morning and I was so distraught by it that I didn't have any way of kind of dealing with the negative feelings around that, that I just started drinking again. So I started doing the exact same thing that I was trying to avoid um, as a way of combating it. And then uh, that was uh, the last day I drank. That was 2008. And then um, I Googled 12 step meetings and I found uh, a sober house in my area and I started going to meetings there. And that um, was, you know, I was really active in the, 12 step community for a really long time. But, uh, you know, right around the time I was maybe like six or seven years sober, I was, 
I was pretty miserable. I was, I was working in a career that I didn't really care about. Um, I was very like not open about my recovery. I, I felt that it was a certain amount of shame and a certain amount of stigma about being in recovery. I wasn't open about it. I didn't talk about it with other people. I went to my meetings. I talked to my friends that I knew from there, but like uh, on the surface, it wasn't really something that I, I wanted people to know about me. And then uh, it actually kind of dovetailed nicely with um, starting to eventually find Phoenix programs. And this is something I'm sure Chris has touched on previously, but uh, one of the big tenets of our organization and what we do is um, self-identification and stigma reduction. A lot of our staff, a lot of our volunteers, um, they're all individuals in recovery themselves, and they will routinely disclose um, who they are, where they come from, and what their background is in terms of recovery. And it's a really helpful and useful tool for us in terms of connecting with the new person coming in because uh, anybody, well, most people listening to this, I imagine are in recovery themselves. They're going to know exactly what that feeling is like walking into a new space, carrying a lot of that shame around and feeling like they're the only person in the world that has this problem. And there's nothing more useful or effective in terms of connecting with that individual than having somebody else listen to them and say, me too. I've also gone through that as well. And I felt exactly the same way. And, you know, uh, the individual that's currently off screen that was talking earlier talked about like getting together with a couple of friends and, and going to work out together. And, um, you know, the, the outcomes of a lot of our programs, like people might, you know, they might start back squatting a lot of weight. They might get a faster mile time. You know, there's all this like external stuff, but the thing that really benefits folks from what we do is this feeling of connection. Um, and you're talking about people that have, historically felt very down about themselves for a very long time. And now they're getting a certain amount of empowerment around what they're doing. And, and they identify with other folks that they routinely come together with to, to share this experience. It's, it's, it's pretty beautiful. Um, I, I'd encourage anybody that hasn't been to one of our programs to attend and just see what it's like. That's, that's, that's beautiful. You've been in recovery since 2008, you said? 2008. If anybody remembers wow. that Super Bowl where the guy on the Giants caught the hel uh, football on his helmet, um, I got sober oh, probably like, that Super Bowl. Yeah, that uh. was my yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, you know, Chris, the same question to you, man. What what brings you to the work that you do? And 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 I love that you know y'all. Y'all, it's the Jersey in me. I mean, it's the it's the Virginia in me coming out there, Chris, um, edging out the the New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I love that y'all are so open about your recovery. You know, that's that's one of the most important things here at the McShin Foundation. I think uh, is that all of us here are in recovery ourselves, and we can relate. You know, to to individuals, the new person in recovery coming in the door. Chris, what's what's uh, brought you here today? Yeah, so. You said something earlier that I really, I really kind of related to, Nathan, and, and we kind of touched on it when we were talking about the programming on the tablets. I will kind of fast forward my recovery story because from like the time I tried to first tried to get sober at like 21 um, to the time, you know, till 2011 was just like try after try of going to detox, going to rehab, going to jail, uh, all the things. I would, I would get a few months clean. Uh, all these kind of like feelings of guilt and shame and embarrassment or failure would come up and I would just start using it again just to kind of not have to feel those things and then just kind of compounded my problems by doing that. 
But the breaking point for me or the shift for me really happened was in, in 2011, I got arrested in upstate New York. If uh, In Virginia, I'm sure that you are all familiar with the band Fish. Um, so I was at the Fish Festival in upstate New York and I got arrested um, for, for various different charges. And in upstate New York, it's not, Nathan, it's not like New Jersey where you get, you know, they find you with a bag of some sort of substance and they're like, all right, come on, let's go. And, you know, we'll give you probation. We'll give you drug court. And this like, upstate eastern new york western new york watkins glen they were like yeah you're going to prison and i was like whoa whoa what do you mean i'm going to prison like this is a fish concert people don't go to prison from fish concert. but anyway so i went to prison i i got sentenced to three years um and i got i went to elmira which is a maximum security penitentiary in new york state Saw like lots of things there that I wish I hadn't. Um, not a place where I felt connected, or not a place where I felt that I fit in. So kind of the antithesis, antithesis of what we're talking about. But luckily, while I was there in New York State, they have a, a diversionary program that they call shock incarceration. Sounds super fun, right? Shock incarceration. Shock but, incarceration. Yeah, yeah, sounds super fun. Boom, you're in prison. <laughs> yeah, and their and their symbol is a lightning bolt. It's a black a black shirt with a yellow lightning bolt on it don't ask me working but anyway shock incarceration it's modeled after like a military boot camp mm. um but instead of like learning how to shoot guns and fight you, there's drug treatment mixed into physical fitness and lots of organization and discipline um waking up at 4 30 in the morning making sure your bed is made so that they can bounce a quarter off it and if they can't they're going to tear all your stuff off and throw it in, in the mud and make you crawl to go get it saying sir yes sir all these fun things ironing your prison uniform so it had three uh seam um creases down it it was it was super fun uh, i'm being sarcastic when i say it was super fun but what i realized while i was there was like this organization and discipline that i never had before in my life that i didn't even know i didn't have was starting to make me feel a little bit better about myself um, starting to make recovery kind of look like something that I could achieve. Mind you, at this point, I have like six months clean because I've been sitting in prison and, and then going to this shock camp. And then the, the icing on top of that was they were making making us, getting us up at 4.30 in the morning to run a couple of miles uh, and like totally out of shape before smoking cigarettes, eating like ice cream with Snickers bars melted in, all that stuff that you do when you're still using but after a few months of doing the doing these physical activities, the running and the the all these PT workouts in the morning, I started feeling better about myself. I started looking better, kind of like help with my like emotional regulation a little bit. And I kind of that was the first time when I got out of prison and I came back to New Jersey. It was the first time in my life that recovery looked like something that I wanted or something that I could achieve. And I stayed sober just by going to the gym and just by running these Spartan races and obstacle races for almost a year. And then what happened was I got off parole. And uh, like when I got off parole, it was okay for me to, you know, go to work and run one of these races and go to the bar afterwards with everybody. And that quickly just, you know, turned back into a whole mess. Went back to just what I was doing because I was hanging out with the same people, dipping my toes and doing the same things. Um, when I started using again, probably like around 2015, something new started happening to me. I started overdosing. Mm. Uh, so between 2015 and 2018, when I finally got sober, I had three, three near fatal overdoses. Um, I picked up like five new criminal convictions, went to a couple, of, I, I got to visit a couple of different county jails that I hadn't been to before. 
Um, so then in 2018, I had overdosed, used and overdosed for the last time, um, right here or across the street from where I live. And, and I got resuscitated and the police officer that resuscitated me pointed over at some little kids playing basketball, like a couple hundred feet from my car and was like, you see those kids over there, you could have killed them and you would have spent the rest of your life in prison. And even in like being the haze of being Narcan and, and just waking up, like that's what I remember was that I knew I didn't want to go back to prison because I already been there and I, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go to prison. I didn't want to hurt anybody. But when I went to the county jail after that, I, I made that decision. I'm like, whatever I have to do this time, like this is my last chance. You know, everybody, everybody told me, even my lawyer was like, hey, this is your last chance. Same lawyer that I've had for 10 years before that. Um, so luckily when I got into after I went to the county jail, I was there for a few months. The judge saw my record and saw those struggles that I had had. And he said he would release me from the county jail if they could set up, if my family, my girlfriend, and my attorney could set up a treatment center to accept me directly from the county jail. So after some time, they did. I got transported from this treatment center in the sheriff's van in handcuffs with a full beard and my hair all over the place. And I got basically perp walked into this treatment center. Uh, when I went, when I sat on the clinician's couch, her couch was so comfortable, or maybe it was just like the change in scenery. But I remember just sinking into the couch and just like letting it all out. Telling well, those foam mats in jail or in prison are not not comfortable at no, all. Yeah, this no, is a big change. Maybe yeah. maybe they have better ones in Virginia, but the ones in New Jersey nope. are not super. Nope. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> if you're lucky, you can get two, and maybe you can make do with that. But that's not probably not going to happen. But uh, yeah, I remember sitting down and then like just having this conversation with her candidly speaking about all the things that I had done that had worked for me in my recovery, fitness, hanging out with sober people, spirituality, and all the things that didn't work for me. And we kind of came up with this plan together. She introduced me to meditation and yoga for these kind of like emotional distresses that I had had or like feelings that, that were coming up. And first I kind of laughed and I was like, yeah, yoga's for chicks. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but but she just like kind of invited me like try it and I did and I, I it instantly like within a couple of days I knew that this was going to be part of uh, my recovery path and then like I said somebody came in talked about the Phoenix and when I left treatment I came to the Phoenix I'd never left um, it's just what what worked for me it's been such a pleasure and an honor to be able to share with others and make a living out of it and watch the organization grow and watch our members and our volunteers grow. My favorite thing is watching the person that comes out of treatment or jail with 48 hours clean six or eight months later say like, hey, I just got my CrossFit certification. I want to coach classes or, hey, I'm a yoga teacher now. I want to do yoga classes or I'm an artist. I want to run an art class for people in recovery. And we can make all that happen. Watching the growth and healing and in, in individuals that we serve has been, there's nothing better. There's nothing. You couldn't pay me enough money to, to feel what I feel when I see that happening. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate the both of you um, sharing that vulner those vulnerable stories and and what I hear um, that willingness to change, you know, that willingness to do something different. You know, Gavin, you spoke about you know not being athletic, you know, younger as you were when you were younger, and then suddenly you now you work for an organization that that does a lot of athletic activities and talking about the spirituality and the yoga and saying yoga is for chicks but then you know now i know you chris as the as the yogi you are so <laughs> it's beautiful because i i really really admire that so um it is we are very close to the to the hour here do you um 
we could sit here and talk for two or three or four hours. I have a feeling, but I know that, you know, we have other things to do with our lives and we have places to go, but, you know, share with us one more time, you know, what, what are we doing today? Where, where do we want to go and, and how can we get more involved? Gavin, you want to take that? I think you're muted. Oh God, Gavin. You are. No. I can't believe it. I made it through almost the entire podcast without doing that. And now I, I love it right at the end. Well, you know, that that's the one big thing that came out of 2020 and the pandemic. You're on mute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I should make a t-shirt with that on it. Um, I think if there's anybody that's listening to this, there's a couple ways that you can get involved. One is as a volunteer, which is we always talk about volunteers being the lifeblood of our program um and whatever your desire is to give back like even if you like going to the movies if you wanted to set up something where like you and a couple other friends do like a movie night or something like that like there's a lot of different ways that people can create connection and community and we can be the way to reduce the barriers to do so um if you're someone that uh knows a gym owner or are a gym owner yourself or a yoga studio owner or any space that we could utilize to meet and want to connect with us about possibly making that available, that's another opportunity. Or if you have the capacity to give, I mean, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. We keep our programs free for everybody. Um, we rely a lot on donors to, to keep our programs running. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to get involved. Um, and if you're even just more curious about what the organization does and, and where we can go, you can learn a lot from our website. You can email Chris or I. Um, you can email Chris first and then me if, when he doesn't respond. Um, but yeah, you know, we really relish this opportunity. Um, so Nathan, thanks for giving us this chance to come on your podcast and talk about what we're doing. And um, uh, yeah, I'll defer to Chris on uh, the rest. Yeah, I think I think he said it all. If, if there's if anybody does want to get involved, just reach out. We'll we'll make it happen. Um, and if you're just curious about what we're doing, come check out one of our live streaming programs or our on-demand our on-demand programming. I was able to talk Nathan into not only going to Plano, Texas to an art hike, but Nathan has also come to many of my live streaming meditations. So I got <laughs> I need to. it has, but he's going to be there tomorrow. Nathan's going to be at the Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live stream meditation with me. So if you're interested in checking that out, come and see us. Uh, <laughs> I like yeah. guilt. All, 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 all jokes aside, um, yeah, please just let's let's get connected. You know, that's for me. That was the the missing piece of the puzzle was finding the finding the people where I felt connected with that wanted to have fun and recovery. And in a safe, supportive, and inclusive environment. That's 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 what it was. The last piece for me. Uh, well, I, I have one more question, and you know, I really am so grateful for the both of you to come on today. And nice to meet you today, Gavin. Um, what does recovery look like for you today? So I <laughs> I, got, I got very lucky in the fact that the first person I ever met when I walked into a twelve-step meeting is uh, an individual who we both left the city and we both moved out to the suburbs and now we actually live in the same town and our lives look wildly differently we're both married we both have kids now and we have dogs and we get together uh one night a week and we walk our dogs together and we talk um and uh it sounds very simple but when you talk about connection like even something like that is really powerful um and at the same time 
<laughs> working professionally for the Phoenix has exposed me to a lot of other individuals in recovery that I never would have met otherwise. So work isn't necessarily recovery, but there is certain tenants that exist within our workspace that I feel um, uh, are really powerful and really helpful for me. So uh, that's kind of what recovery looks like for me. And I try to nap if I can, but I got a two and a half year old. So that's not really happening. <laughs> I, love, I love naps. Naps yeah. are the best. <laughs> I love naps yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Naps are great. Naps are a big part of my recovery. Now I have a routine. Like every day I, I wake up, I practice my meditation and journaling. Um, but above all else, I think recovery for me looks like the people that I hang around with, like, Honesty, integrity, generosity, compassion are all things that I look for in the people that I spend my time with. And that's true for almost, probably everybody that works for the Phoenix, um, for my family and my loved ones. And always putting my recovery in as number one. So like if I, if I have to go to a family party or somewhere where that maybe is not, you know, my favorite place to be, I'll go, but I also have a, an escape route or someone to call if I need to. Nice. Um, just want to shout out. Thank you both for, for again. I want to shout out a couple of comments really quick. Um, Timothy Covington. Good to see you back, buddy. Um, so true. Remaining open. Um, I think to something we, we were talking about earlier. Um, I know TC pretty well on the, on the, on the uh, outside of the podcast. Patrick Jones says that sounds like a wonderful dream life. Um, and Sharon Louise Oh, gosh, another question. Well, we have time for one more, if that's okay with y'all. Chris or Gavin, can you also mention that participants can bring someone with them as long as they also have the 48 hours of sobriety? Sure. I think that's one of my favorite things about our programming. One of my favorite, one of our most involved members here is not a person in recovery. He's just a supporter of, of what we do, and he likes to come out and have sober fun. So all of our programs are open to anyone that has 48 hours of continuous sobriety. So whether you are the person in recovery or you're a supporter of someone, in recovery you're welcome to come and all our programs are free so yeah bring your mom bring your girlfriend bring your friends bring your mom anyone bring your <laughs> anyone who has 48 hours of continuous sobriety is welcome to come bring your two and a half year old <laughs> well great guys uh, uh debbie says to close off she says great conversation thank you for sharing your stories in recovery and i appreciate that too any final thoughts before we close out guys no, oh, thank thank you for having us, Nathan. It's always a pleasure to see you and talk to you. I appreciate yeah. it. And, and you this know, really wonderful. That, good. Thank you, Gavin. Chris, uh, the photo you gave me last year for my birthday is still the background. I just thought of this. It's still the background on my computer screen. Thanks again. I hope you're doing well with your photography. That's um, amazing. Yeah, I have a new one I'll send you today. I got my first sunflower of the year, and it's like almost black. It's amazing. I'll send it to you. Awesome. I, I will look forward to that. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for listening and participating, everybody out there today and everybody out there in the future listening. Um, thanks, as always, to Justin, our producer, and to our, I guess, assistant producer, Derek, over here. Oh, yeah, I like that. Assistant, associate producer. We'll, we'll give him a title later, but we got another guy over here, our intern. <laughs> but thank you all. Um, we'll see you tomorrow for Women Wednesdays. And then Thursday, um, who's on the show Thursday? What do we have? What do we have going forward on Thursday? Do you know off the top of your head? Old paper. Top. Oh, old paper. Oh, well, all right. 
This is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. I should know this off the top of my head. Um, but going ahead to Friday, Friday we put an extra special show in, and I want to give a shout-out because uh, we've got people from the Maine Recovery, Maine, M-A-I-N-E, the State of Maine Recovery Advocacy Project, coming on to the show um, virtually from Maine um, with a participant here at the McShin Foundation who is from Maine and about to return to Maine. So we're going to have an amazing conversation there, get people connected, which I love that word, connected, building communities, right? And talk about some of the changes that have been happening in Maine, uh, some of the legislation that's going on. So for Thursday, what do we have Thursday? Thursday is cricket. How did I forget cricket? How could you forget cricket? That's going to be a great show. And you guys might appreciate this too, uh, you, Gavin and Chris, because cricket is our um, among among other jobs that he has here, we all have lots of hats, right? In the 501c3 world. But cricket his name is Christopher. We call him Cricket. He runs our um, recovery jail pods. So right now we're getting ready to launch a new recovery program in the Richmond City Jail. We've got some other things going on that we're, we're working on. And he's going to come and talk about that program, those programs and what we're doing there. And check in. So anyway, with all that stumbling at the end there, love all you guys. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you again, gentlemen. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. All the best. Honesty Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShin. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.